This is Unfilter, episode 289 for August 1st, 2018. President Trump and his longtime fixer and lawyer Michael Cohen. ABC News has learned tonight that Michael Cohen now says that President Trump did in fact know about the meeting with Russians in the Trump Tower before the election and that he knew about the meeting before it happened, after dirt on Hillary Clinton was promised from a foreign adversary. everybody happy august for that i can't even speak happy august 1st as we move into the dog days of summer once again thank you for joining us here on unfiltered jupiter broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching it's october october fest yeah it's when august and october all run together because it just gets really hot it's warm i mean i mean now i know a lot of our friends across the country and around the world they're like, you guys complaining oh, about yeah. heat in the Northwest. Yeah, no, it's, it Actually, is, it last is. week, it got like mid-90s, close to 100. A lot of places here in the Northwest yeah. don't have air conditioning. No, that is a thing. Including uh, JB1. I mean, yeah. you have this, but, but it's, it's too loud. It's too loud. You can't yeah. use it during recording. No, we're not prepared for it. That voice you hear, that's Chris Fisher. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. Good to be here. 289. You know what that means? 290 next week. And we were clipping right up until the very end this week. You had a heck of a drive up to the studio. And so it's I was. Amazing. Yeah, it was really something watching that traffic. There was literally times where I thought Glimpse had just stopped tracking you. <laughs> no, I just stopped moving for a long time, <laughs> dude. Like I was like, oh, geez. I, I swear, I think the city of Seattle. I mean, they it's won't. A, they won't true. say it publicly. No, I have seen it. I saw. I saw some news they don't somewhere. Like cars. They when I was it. in, when I saw, oh, I was going to send this to you. I almost thought I did. Yeah. When I was in Texas, I I saw a news story go by that uh, they've done a study and they determined there is no solution to the traffic. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. that. That's them saying, you know what? We give up. Yeah, we give up. We give up. But that's not, people aren't here for the weather and the traffic. That's not, that's what they tune to the radio for. <laughs> no, this is the Unfiltered Program, and we have much to get into, including the things with Michael Cohen, the things with the Russia, the things with the North Korea, the trade war, and, of course, a huge overtime. So you know where we must start in all of this, sir? We start with ASL. It is the time for the cyber, and we start with a traditional cyber this week. Right now, the city of Houston training with tech experts from West Point <laughs> to learn how to prepare for and respond to cyber attacks that have crippled major American American cities. The three-day exercise involving around 150 people from the public and private spheres is the first of its kind here in Texas. So this, uh, these tech experts come in. The media is not allowed to be there for any of it except for just this early stage. And these tech experts uh, pretend different ways that you might get fished. Adam Bennett joins us now. Yeah, this is very key, Adam. It sure is. Yeah, this thing that we didn't say is more than anything bad this. is very key. This is very key, Adam. Fine here in Texas. Adam Bennett joins us now. Yeah, this is very key, Adam. It sure is, Lynn. And not only will this help Houston, but Mayor Sylvester Turner says this training also helps the entire region because we are so interconnected. And maybe the world. And after major cyber attacks on Atlanta and Baltimore. I remind you, the major cyber attack on Atlanta he's referring to was ransomware. He says the worst plan is not having one. Imagine dealing with a hurricane 
and someone taking out your city's utilities and infrastructure at the same time. Something that we, we really need to practice. That's the nightmare scenario city, state, and federal officials seen here in this footage provided by the city of Houston are prepping for. Yeah, I see this footage and I see these uh, generic um, attack maps on a globe up on a projector. They say this is the nightmare scenario. I'll give you a different version of the nightmare scenario. The other version of the nightmare scenario is a completely unprepared, inept federal and state government that doesn't know the difference between ransomware, phishing, and an actual network intrusion. And they are the ones that have been tasked to protect our information and our infrastructure. That is my nightmare scenario. Oh, yeah. Inside Houston's emergency center. We have to be right every time. They keep trying, but it only takes one real threat to get through. In March, hackers struck Atlanta and demanded money to reactivate their systems. Hackers struck Atlanta and then demanded money to reactivate their systems. That is a truthful statement only in the loosest of sense. A user stumbles upon an executable. That user, who has inappropriate access to the network shares because of poor network architecture and poor security practices, is able to encrypt her files and the network server's over the map drives files. Okay. Then, with the nature of ransomware, it comes up with a message that says, if you want your files back, you have to give us money at this Bitcoin address. And then we send you the key. There is not an active penetration into the network where the code is executed by skilled government-paid hackers that then spread it across the machines, across your network. There's not somebody going around encrypting all of the files and then holding a key and going, ha It is all automated. It's all cheap scripts that people have thrown together and then they hide behind cryptocurrency. That's all it is. But yet it's positioned as these elite hackers dropping in like Tom Cruise from the ceiling on a line and getting access to the mainframe and then encrypting all of the files. We have to be right every time. They keep trying, but it only takes one real threat to get through. In March, hackers struck Atlanta and demanded money to reactivate their systems. Literally in Atlanta, it shut them down. And Houston proper has nearly five times as many people and takes up about four and a half times as much space. We have too many assets that exist in the city of Houston for us to sit back and wait for it to come. And then we're in responsive mode. Now, this three-day exercise... Communications is critical, how we message the public... ...is a chance for the key players to listen, (laughs) discuss and train and we have two full realms of of computer people where they're uh, they don't show it but there's a powerpoint presentation where they're like looking at like network diagrams but they're like super fake high production almost like hollywood looking network diagrams implementing different things um and taking down different utilities like the chief talked about to make things a little bit more difficult uh in in a real life scenario now this training is closed to the media and wraps up tomorrow oh well Oh, well then. Let's make sure we spread all of the good news. Yeah. You know, what? I, one of the ways I've always found to keep people safe when it comes to cybersecurity is not to share good information. <laughs> That's why I've always found that That's to work. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, this is an interesting idea. You remember when, when Obama came into the White House? He was he really pushed how he inherited a bad economy. You know, Bush gave him a bad economy. Yeah, gave he, him a raw he deal. He turned that around. Yeah. And they inherited this bad economy. They inherited this problem. And, you know, it was up to the Obama administration to solve it. That is now the exact script that the Trump administration is using (laughs) for cybersecurity. 
the outset of this administration, it became... This is Pence at a Department of Homeland Security Cyber Awareness Summit that was going on today. It became clear from early on, in a very real sense, we inherited a cyber crisis. There it is. Last administration all but neglected cybersecurity, even though the digital threats were growing more numerous and more dangerous by the day. That's I'll right. Make no mistake about it. No mistake. Those days are over. Mike Pence, the vice president in New York, suggesting the Obama administration is to blame for the cybersecurity issues plaguing our country. New York Republican Congressman Peter King on the House Intelligence Homeland Security Committee. Sir, how are you? Seems like everybody just points fingers at everybody else. No, you did it. No, you didn't. You, you didn't follow through. No, it's your job. It's your responsibility. Where's the stop? Hashtag blame Barry. I like it. System T. That's good. System T in the chat room has come up with a new uh, hashtag that we could roll with. What do you say we move out of cyber and move into Russia? There's not a lot this week to cover in the Russia investigation. And there's been a big story going around right now. The potential Russia intel agency linked hackers have been going after a Democratic senator. Breaking news tonight, what appears to be the first identified case of Russian election interference in the 2018 midterms. Oh, there's okay. Check one. All right. So we've got the first indication of Russian interference in the 2018 midterms. Okay, check. Okay. The Daily Beast reporting tonight that, quote, the Russian intelligence agency behind the 2016 election cyber attacks targeted Senator Claire McCaskill. Now, before we go on, can you think of anything that really stands out about Senator Claire McCaskill? Because, I mean, I couldn't. To be honest with you, was she involved in something, or she came out with some sort of major announcement? I'm, I'm, I mean, there's got to be something. I know that she is in the potential for losing. She's in, like, <laughs> she's, she is. She's considered yeah. potentially lose. She's in a weak position right now for the mid midterm reelection. She's a red state, isn't she? Yeah. So I yeah. know that she's vulnerable. So yeah. there's that aspect to this. Right. She began her 2018 reelection campaign in earnest. Missouri Democrat is in a tight race for her seat, and she's been a critic of both Russia and Donald Trump. I, I mean, she has been kind of critical of Donald Trump. She hasn't really had any strong positions on Russia. She hasn't been really deeply involved in any of the Russia investigations. Yeah. In a statement tonight, Senator McCaskill said, quote, I will not be intimidated. I said it before, and I will say it again. Putin is a oh. thug and a bully. Andrew Desiderio is one of the reporters who broke that exclusive story for the Daily Beast. Daily Beast. He joins me tonight. Um, all right, Andrew, what, do we, what happened and when did it happen? Now, that's a pretty easy question. Could just give a super yeah. straightforward answer. So what we know is that the Russian GRU, which is the main intelligence directorate in Moscow, uh, ordered even more cyber attacks uh, against American entities, specifically targeting Democratic candidates. This is the exact same tactic that they used in 2016 that they were actually indicted for just a couple of weeks ago by the Mueller probe. And what they you know, they'll stop here for a second. Um, it's really kind of pathetic that with all of their resources, and all of their four-dimensional chess playing, their best Russian hackers, the best they can do is phishing attacks. Like, <laughs> it's so pathetic, if this well, is true. Well, or, or to flip it on its end, Chris, maybe that's the re- The only reason why the, the phishing attacks are successful is because everything else is, is secure and solid, <laughs> yeah. and you know people yeah, are just stupid, and they're just clicking the links. That sounds like politicians. Yeah. What they did was they used what's called a phishing operation, where they try to trick... Uh, certain people into changing their passwords and it leads them to a page that looks like they're actually changing their password. There's but anyway, I know that that fell into that trap. What's his name? J. Uh, Joe John. Podcast. Pup. Reality, it's just a way for Russian intelligence services to infiltrate that computer network. That's what we saw uh, happen to John Podesta, Uh, Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign chairman, uh, when his emails were released. So it's the exact same tactic that they used uh, just two years ago. 
same tactic. I mean, they the media has weaponized phishing attacks in a way that, I mean, they were they were like a benign ankle biting form of attack before the election. But look at the good news, Chris. Now, when you send anybody a link, they won't click on it. Hopefully, yeah. All right. So, so Podesta Podesta gets hacked. He gets an email saying, "This is from Gmail. You need to change your password." He actually passes by a person and says, "It's it's it." You do need to do that. Yeah, actually, that is something that we uh, don't give Podesta enough credit for. That IT person should be fired. Yeah, is uh, John Podesta did pass it by the IT guy, and the IT guy claims that it was a typo when he said it was okay to click. How do you, how, how do you typo that? It was something like that email looks legitimate, and he meant to write looks delegitimate or something like that. I would just say don't open. I mean, it's I know. delete. It's such it's, bullshit. Yeah. He goes to a page that looks like a Gmail page. He puts in his password, and boom, they've got his email. Boom. So we have, you have located forensic evidence the exact same thing happened here? That's correct, and we traced it uh, right back to the Russian GRU. You know that for a fact? Yes, we do. So this, when did this happen? So this happened, the first known... Now remember, the senator said she's not going to be intimidated by this. Putin is a thug and a bully. ...incident uh, was sort of late last year. Oh. Uh, we, we, we have a, a what was a screen cap. Oh, that's okay. Uh, ...from a saved page uh, that, that Microsoft captured uh, from September 26th, in which a senior policy aide for the senator uh, had actually clicked the link and went to change his password. So a policy aide... For the senator, a year ago, in September, clicked a phishing link. Yes. And that's what's generating all of this news. <laughs> and it's a phishing link, too. Uh, it's, it's, really, it's really pathetic. You, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a witch hunt, but you can kind of see where somebody might call it. Moments ago, I was going to begin with this, but let me bring you uh, some breaking news that we just got from the president. Guys, let's throw it up on the screen here. Breaking news, Chase. Breaking news. This is CNN Breaking News. The president just directly directing his attorney general to... I'm sorry, what was, she, what was that? Uh, that was directly directing. Uh-huh. Well, no, according to Giuliani, uh, should is not an order, it's a suggestion. And the Mueller probe, the Russia probe. Let me read you part of this tweet from the president. Uh, this is a terrible situation, and attorney general Jeff Sessions should stop this rigged witch hunt right now before it continues to stain our country any further. Uh, Patrick Healy, your read on this, as I, Caitlin Collins is tweeting, our reporter, this is a first, that he's directly, sure. directly directing, if you will, the AG to stop it. She knows it sounds dumb, but she can't think of what else to say, you know? <laughs> so that's the big, that's the big upset, is that uh, Trump is now... Uh, uh, now, look, but look at, look at the timing uh, of the tweets today. The, the first day of the Manafort trial kind of wrapped up yesterday. Mm. Uh Information. I don't know if you have any cl- uh, clips on uh, leaked out about the the Mueller sending over a letter to the Trump team. They replied. There obviously there's negotiations for the uh, what do you call it? testimony that probably will not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think you know a lot of it. You know, I mean, and, and if you look at all the president's tweets this morning, you look at was, the tweets. He was venting. I mean, he was going off. Hmm. There was a lot of tweets. Now, it is kind of conflicting, though. Uh, you got to think back a couple of press secretaries ago with Mr. Spicy in mm-hmm. there. So, uh, someone, a uh, press uh, person asked him, you know, are these official statements from the president, these tweets? And they and he goes, yes, these are official right. statements from the president, right. that these are official things. Right. And now today it's, no, no, this is not official. This is just opinion. This right. is just, this is his thoughts yes. and feelings. Yes. 
I'm tired of that game. Just come on, man. I do. I do have a clip that may make you feel better. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. I okay. uh, I think it might make you feel better. I'm not sure. We'll okay. see. All right. But it, those those tweets may come up again. Uh oh. Yeah, they may come up again. Uh, now uh, there has been a lot of these statements that have been made via Twitter, like the "I knew nothing about the meeting with the Russian lawyer in the hotel right. room yeah. with Don Jr." Yeah. That's a good example of a tweet. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We're going to begin Jake. with the politics lead, and one of the biggest bombshells to date in the Russia investigation, reportedly coming from the man who once said he would take a bullet for President Trump. Now this bombshell goes right to the heart of this question, which I cannot say any better than the late Republican Senator Howard Baker said in 1973 as Watergate was consuming the nation. Oh, Watergate. Yeah. What did the president know and when did he know it? We're really kind of doing a setup here. I mean, you don't, it's not really necessary to play the old Watergate clips and all of that stuff. It's consuming the nation. What did the president know and when did he know it? Now, to be what? fair, Chris, mm. what, uh, let's go back to target audience for a second. You know, do a little inside baseball mm-hmm. TV sure. statement. Sure, okay? sure. So you got Jake here. He's got the Minecraft mug yep. on his desk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's got kids. He's a young, hip guy. He's got all these leads, got all these things happening. His target audience is who? I don't really know. Uh, I mean, CNN's demo isn't kids. It's not I know. young people. No, it's not kids, but it is young. I the, don't the, know. 35, 54, okay? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Is the, it, seriously. Yeah. No, you that is, at, yeah. And you look at people aged 35 to about maybe 50-ish, they don't know. They don't remember Seriously, so, and you know, yeah. obviously they're setting up the narrative. I get it that. It feels like yeah, you're, you're trying to yeah, exactly. They're yeah, trying to I get frame that. It. Yeah. So here's so here's a little comparison, just because this should be fascinating. Because I have this. Here's yeah. the, here's the Fox News version of kind of the same news item. President Trump. And oh, his nope. Law- sorry, that's ABC. Although we have that too, which we'll get to. Here's the Fox News version. All right. Breaking tonight: Michael Cohen, President Trump's former attorney, is claiming the president knew in advance Whoops. about that Trump Tower meeting back in June 2016, in which Russians were supposedly going to offer campaign dirt on Hillary Clinton, that according to CNN. Of course, in all their breathless coverage, they seem to be ignoring the important nugget. Quote, to be clear, these sources said Cohen does not have evidence, such as audio recordings, to corroborate his claim. But he- It is interesting now, at around the same point into the a news item, Tapper was playing the Watergate clip, and she's playing, or she's reading a statement that says he doesn't have sources to discredit Cohen. You see the two different oh, yeah. narratives that are happening here. Yeah, very different coverage from the two different networks. Not to be all that surprising. And then somewhere in the middle, you have ABC. Longtime fixer and lawyer Michael Cohen. ABC News has learned tonight that Michael Cohen now says that President Trump did in fact know about the meeting with Russians in the Trump Tower before the election and that he knew about the meeting before it happened, after dirt on Hillary Clinton was promised from a foreign adversary. This will likely interest Robert Mueller, who, by the way, today was photographed, seen right here waiting at the airport in D.C. there on the left. See, this is the real world of these politicians. Like, we visit, we visualize that, like, Mueller in these, like, ivory towers and all of this. But here is an image of everyday guys waiting to board a plane. One dude with a hat, <laughs> which I is... Know, this is- that's Trump Jr. over there waiting to get on, on the far phone. Upper yeah. right, yeah. And then you got Bob sitting there reading a newspaper like an old man on the left. And they're just sitting there going about their day. You know day. what I think, though? I mean, you, you look at the, the other good people on their laptops hey, waiting for their flight. They have no idea. It's they like really don't. It's like you got Bob Mueller right there. You got Don John right there. Nobody. Nobody, Nobody cares. cares. Nobody cares. Because 
not very many people really follow the news. No. And I bet you most people couldn't tell you who that guy in the hat was. No. I bet you most people couldn't tell you who the attorney general is or who runs the State Department. I bet you a lot of people wouldn't know who runs the CIA anymore, even though it was a huge controversy when she was trying to uh, when she was trying to get approved. Right. Like it's a really weird world that we live in because every now and then things like this remind me that we are in a deep bubble that we don't even realize it because it's it's one that matters that impacts everyone's world and yet the people just go along blissfully unaware. Mueller, who by the way today was photographed, seen right here waiting at the airport in D.C. There on the left, not far away behind him there, you see Donald Trump Jr. standing in line. Tonight, Mueller's office issuing a statement after that photo. And here's ABC's chief justice correspondent, Pierre Thomas. Tonight, President Trump fiercely denying the explosive allegation from his former lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen. Multiple sources tell ABC News Cohen claims Trump knew in advance about that infamous June 2016 Trump Tower meeting. His son, Donald Jr., son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, sitting down with a Russian lawyer with ties to the Kremlin. Trump Jr. had been promised high-level and sensitive documents that would incriminate Hillary Clinton as part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump. The president's son has repeatedly said his father didn't learn of the meeting until well after the election. Did you, do you tell your father anything about this? No. Uh, it was such a nothing. There was nothing to tell. I mean, I wouldn't have even remembered it until you start scouring through the stuff. It was, it was literally just a wasted 20 minutes, which was a shame. The president also insists he was in the dark. Did you know at the time that they had the meeting? No, I didn't know anything about the meeting. But you know, you get this. Must have been a very important. Must have been a very unimportant meeting because I never even heard about it. When news of the meeting broke, Trump Jr. released a misleading statement, implying it was about Russian adoptions. Team Trump initially said the president had nothing to do with that either. The statement that was released on Saturday was released by Donald Trump Jr. and I'm sure in consultation with his lawyers. The president wasn't involved in that. It was later revealed the president actually dictated his son's misleading statement. The White House forced to backtrack. He weighed in, offered suggestion like any father would do. Today's allegations mark a major escalation in the standoff between the president and Cohen, his longtime confidant. I always liked Michael. Are you? And he's a good person. The president's new attorney once praised Cohen. The man is an honest, honorable lawyer. But now... Oh, he's been lying all week. I mean, or, or for two, he's been lying for years. I love that back-to-back edit, know. by the way. That I was know, funny. That's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, so Giuliani's been going out there and just smearing Cohen, just smearing him. Because the, really the issue is, is that Cohen claims that Trump knew about the payments. Cohen claims that Trump knew about the meeting. Well, he can say all, he's want, all he wants right now, but if he's on the stand yeah. and he's under oath... He's got to back it up. He's got to back it up. Back it up. Absolutely. I thought, let's just uh, take a moment and watch Giuliani here in his natural habitat. If this Michael Cohen evidence stands up, if Michael Cohen does testify to this, this is potentially something that can prove the president colluded. That evidence on its face, if it was supported, uh, would be an impeachable offense. That would be an article of impeachment, no question about it. This is very damning for, for Trump. There's criminal liability here for the president on the horizon with these claims. Well, <laughs> it was a true? lot of laughter. Rudy Giuliani, President Trump's attorney, former New York City mayor. I've been sitting here looking in the federal code trying to find collusion as a crime. <laughs> it's not. Collusion is not a crime. Everything that's been released so far shows the president to be absolutely innocent. He didn't do anything wrong. Is the, is, is the president's lawyer arguing that collusion isn't a crime? I mean, he's right. Technically, collusion isn't a crime. But 
That seems like a weird message to start with. Yeah, I don't. Wh- why would? Why would you even say that? Why are you? It sounds like you're trying to like cover your bases just in case collusion is well, not proved. Yeah, well, that's the that's the thing, right? We, we've been seeing it all along. It's been no collusion, no collusion, no collusion, no collusion. Now it's well, collusion's not a crime, but I didn't collude anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I love it. Well, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, okay, let's watch this and yeah. talk about it. It's not a crime. Everything that's been released so far shows the president to be absolutely innocent. He didn't do anything wrong. The last two tapes are, are, are evidence in his favor. I mean, he, he wants to do a transaction by check, wants to do it as a corporate transaction, perfectly legal. Second one, he describes in great detail the Stormy wait, Daniels wait, the, deal. The, to- the transaction uh, to a Playboy model that he said to the American people that he never been with. Well, yeah, but now that now that's obvious he had been with when he did try to pay her off he tried to do it via a business transaction which would be tra- right. traceable right and and so i mean those points are always like skipped away or pushed away you know and and they don't even talk about that yeah boy veritunis has got to go i tell you if he's gonna ever stick around this will be an episode to stick around but that's okay mr veritunda thank you very much be sure you tune back into the patreon segment later on yeah uh so what i feel like rudy is doing here is trying to cover all of the bases uh, cuomo and he says the president didn't know about it. The president only had the money. I paid for it myself. It wasn't a campaign contribution. Uh, now, Cuomo didn't know he was being recorded, which is pretty outrageous. In fact, he went so far as to hide his cell phone and pretend he wasn't recording it. And then Lanny Davis goes on and says, he, Cohen never intended to deceive. Now, if I tell you I'm not recording and I record, haven't I intended to deceive and in fact deceive? That may be a punishable offense for all those morons out there. Were any of them- so the uh, the thing is, <clears throat> I don't I don't feel like uh, this this rev- if Trump knew about the tower meeting, which I would I would assume if Trump's son is going to get dirt about Hillary Clinton, that seems like the kind of thing when you have a top down run organization, I mean, you tell the boss about. There there are still some unexplained situations like the unlisted phone numbers and the calls uh, to to Trump's office. Um, but around the time before and after the meeting, does you know, it seem some... implausible to you that he would know about the meeting? That seems, absolutely not. I that mean, seems plausible. The meeting happened with his son yeah. in his building while he was there. It just seems. It's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It just seems pretty plausible to me. Um, uh, I don't think I'm ready to get all worked up about collusion about it because it sounds like well, there is no collusion, so don't worry about it. Well, is is going to meet with a Russian lawyer that might have dirt on Hillary Clinton? Is that collusion? I don't know if it is. If that's collusion, then the DNC and the law firm for the Clintons hiring Fusion GPS to work with Christopher Steele to interface with Russian government agents to get dirt on Donald Trump is absolutely collusion because they were government officials that Steele was working with. Like that is that to me, if if meeting with a Russian lawyer is collusion, then what happened with Fusion GPS and the DNC well, I is don't, totally collusion. I don't think it's necessary, the meeting per se, because remember, it was just about child's adoptions, right? So, I mean, <laughs> I mean seriously, nothing yeah. to worry about No, there. you're probably right. Okay, yeah, why do I even care? Either way, it's, it's a weird kind of tough spot for the Trump team because now you've got lawyer versus former lawyer. Well, I can tell you this. A place that the president does not want to be is having his current attorney firing back at his longtime attorney. This Why not? Is, it's not a healthy spot for Team Trump because Michael Cohen was a trusted fixer and attorney and confidant for many, many years for President Trump and prior to him being president. And if he's decided it's in, is in his interest to flip on Trump, whether he's telling new truths or inventing new stories to help his own 
self-help, you know, save his own skin. That is a war of words that is not particularly helpful to Trump. For example, watching Rudy Giuliani go on TV and parsing whether certain recordings cut off at a certain time and asking why that's the case. Mm -hmm. I mean, not a healthy spot. You know, so a couple of developments today that we've seen and that that somewhat coming from Giuliani and other reporting, and that's that there may not be any other tapes with the president's voice on them. Right. But there are a lot of tapes, which begs the question, <laughs> how many people was he recording, Kennedy? We don't know. No, we don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out. But yeah, we were talking about Manafort. Manafort's trial is underway. It's now in day 10. President Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, facing day two of his trial for alleged financial fraud after both sides laid the groundwork for what's likely to be a dramatic showdown between Manafort and his longtime deputy and the government's key witness, Rick Gates. Gates. If convicted, Manafort is facing a maximum sentence of over 300 years on 18 charges, including filing false tax returns, failing to report foreign bank accounts, and defrauding several banks. Now, it is probably worth pointing out none of that says russia but you know what do they take al capone out on right right tax evasion that's what they get you on when you're a gangsta prosecutors portraying manafort as a quote shrewd liar who opened 30 bank accounts in three foreign countries to avoid paying taxes on 60 million dollars of income from his work in ukraine including helping former ukrainian president and putin ally Viktor yanukovych i kind of wonder if that might be why he's getting it so hard. So not only are they going after him because of his connections to Trump and they're keeping him in solitary. The man is in solitary right now. Yeah. But it's probably because he was on the wrong side. See, our guys... Fuck the EU. ...wanted the other Ukrainian president to win and the Russians and uh, the Democratic uh, somebody of somebody, I can't remember, wanted this guy to win. There's like two different states, basically, that were funneling money to Manafort's company to help promote the existing Ukrainian president, the one that we were attempting to overthrow, Fuck the EU. overthrow uh, to b- basically keep him um, to go into the in to go to the states and promote as like a lobbyist for the president that we were against. So you, I know that boy I just really butchered all of that. But what I'm trying to say is you got to wonder, since he backed the wrong guy, if that isn't part of the veracity in which they are pursuing him, because. He was essentially helping out the other team. Including helping former Ukrainian president and Putin ally Viktor Yanukovych. Prosecutors arguing that the money went towards supporting Manafort's lavish lifestyle, including multiple homes, expensive cars and watches, even a $15,000 ostrich jacket. (laughs) The defense pointing the finger at Gates, arguing he was the mastermind behind the scheme who swindled Manafort. Gates is cooperating with the special counsel after pleading guilty to conspiring to defraud the United States and lying to the FBI, Uh a fact the defense plans to use to discredit his testimony. Also nothing related to Russia. Gates also worked for the Trump campaign, but neither the president nor the investigation into potential Russia collusion are likely to be addressed in this case. This trial obviously centers on matters that have nothing to do with the campaign. The Trump administration continuing to distance itself from Manafort. Paul Manafort does not know anything. Giuliani again. And nor, nor could it be possible that he did. He was with him for four months. Manafort has nothing to do with our campaign. Despite praising his work during the three months he led the president's campaign. 
Paul Manafort just came on. He's great. Bringing a professional in <laughs> helped us grow the campaign. Sources tell CNN that publicly the White House strategy is to downplay the proceedings. But behind the scenes, the president is keeping a close eye on the trial, watching TV coverage and asking his legal team for updates. Interesting. Interesting to see what's going on. There is really probably not much potential impact on the Russia probe unless, I guess, well, that's my opinion. Depends on who you ask. Special Prosecutor Bob Mueller's team loses this case. Is the Russia probe in trouble? The White House says it has nothing to do with the Russia collusion, and the president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, is calling it illegitimate. Here to sort it all out, we have Fox News senior judicial analyst, Judge Andrew Napolitano. The judge. You were surprised the judge I was uh, shocked. I mean, huh? judges have an unwritten rule not to interrupt opening and closing statements, unless something so wrong is being said that it's going to infect the trial. But this judge is not a keen on the government's case. This is the federal judge who basically said to the prosecutors in the courtroom, Bob Mueller has sent you here to squeeze this guy, points at Paul Manafort, to get information out of him that will help indict, charge, embarrass, or impeach the president of the United States, and I don't want to be part of it. Wow. The Aye. judge said that. And then they persuaded him that it was a legitimate case, and that's why the case is is going forward. Hmm. So there's two arguments here. Okay. One is the judge is right. The only reason they are prosecuting Paul Manafort is because they want him two trials, two months in solitary confinement. They're imposing about the most legal pressure they can possibly put on an innocent person. They want him to squeal on something. They don't know what on Donald Trump. The other argument is they're prosecutors. If they're looking for Russian collusion and they stumble on bank fraud, they can't look the other way. Uh, they have to keep digging and prosecute and the bank fraud. And this is part fraud. of the problem with the, uh, with the special prosecutor. What do you think it is, Chase? Well, it's hard to say. Maybe it's a little bit of A, yeah, a little I, bit of B. A little A and B. You know, why not have a little all of the above? Everybody I mean, I, I do agree with the judge that, you know, in, during the course of an investigation, if they discover, you know, illegal happenings, you've got to go forward, right? You've got to push it. You'd like to think so. You'd, You'd like so. You would. You would hope so, right? Yeah. I mean, for for <laughs> all of our sakes and justice, and yeah. you know, being treated fairly. There's a story going around right now that kind of bothers me a little bit. My my grandpappy, <clears throat> my grandpappy had Grandpa. a big farm, really big farm, big farmer, and uh, I really hate the way that farmers get used as political pawns in international trade wars. And depending on what angle you look at the story. It is a disaster for farmers or it's going to finally fix things after years of doing things the wrong way. Either way, it's going to hurt in the meantime. President Trump on a tour to trade defending his controversial tariffs. U.S. Steel is back. That's easy to do in front of this group. Steel workers helped by his steel and aluminum tariffs, but many more industries use metal than make it. And they're feeling the pinch from retaliatory measures other countries are now slapping on the U.S. That includes Coca-Cola, which says it's raising soda prices. No! Oh, but darn. Of course, it flows through our supply chain in all sorts of different ways, and ultimately that will have to pass through. It's not just manufacturers hurting. Despite the president's promise to make farmers great again, many are still waiting. They've taken beans down $2 a bushel, over $2 a bushel. That's a 20% pay cut. That's huge. Dave um, Kestel blames retaliatory tariffs, not the president. Now, if you ask him why he doesn't blame the president, in fact, if they didn't cut him short, the answer they would give you is because there is a bit of a philosophy at work here that is 
short-term pain for long-term gain. I don't really know if that's the plan. But the White House is authorizing $12 billion of tax dollars to help relieve with, the pressure. With money that we don't have because we're having record deficits because they cut the tax rate. Yeah. Yeah. President Trump, after igniting what many consider to be a trade war and American farmers in some cases paying the price as other countries now slap tariffs to retaliate. Well, the president tonight is now promising farmers $12 billion in taxpayer money to pay them back after the effects of the president's own tariffs. ABC's Terry Moran at the White House. In Missouri today, President Trump admitted that American farmers, many in states he won in 2016, are becoming collateral damage in his escalating trade wars, and he promised better days ahead. The farmers will be the biggest beneficiary. Watch. We're opening up markets. You watch what's going to happen. So the bet that they're making with the tax cuts and with this 12 bill in relief money is that the results it will cause in the economy will earn more than it costs to pull these levers. So yeah. that's the big gamble. Just be a little patient. But pay- And he might be right. If you look at the world in the, in, from the lens of China, there, there may be some logic to it. Most farmers seem, I don't know, seem to be pretty open if you, if you, if you read what's, what's being printed out there. But I can understand, like, if you, you know, like a <clears throat> Carl at System76, a Linux hardware manufacturer, is, was tweeting about how with these recent changes, uh, if they import a whole computer, like, it's a, it's a standard tax rate. It's like 5% or something. Okay. But if they import just the motherboard, it now has like a 25% tariff on it. So Whoa. It, yeah. So it makes assembling machines here in the United States way more co- uh, cost prohibitive for System 76, potentially. Sounds like from that tweet. You know, so it's wh- not all roses. I mean, and when he says, you know, you just got to be patient, you know, it's easy for him to say those things, but, you know, and obviously that's why they're trying to push this uh, uh, this farming bill to, to help out the farmers. But these these are things that if it doesn't turn around, it could destroy families. It could literally shut down farms because 20% is huge. Yeah, but there is a problem that has to be fixed. And the longer you kick that can down the road the harder that is going to be felt when you go to fix it. But couldn't you, if you if this was the plan the entire time, go and help the farmers ahead of time so they can, so they can uh, you know, yeah. absorb the impact? Yeah, maybe. If that was the start plan. Start that first. Yeah, yeah start that first. Yeah. Get, get, get them secure and ready. Then you go and fight the trade battle. There does feel to be a bit of a manic nature to the actions in some regard. You also have to wonder if maybe it's, it's a rush that way by the time of 2020 arrives. Uh, a lot of the positive benefits they're betting on have theoretically arrived. That's the other. The part that that bugs me the most, though, is and it's not necessarily like you know the tax rate being cut for businesses. I I, I understand you know there's a lot of pro business out there. I get that, but now you have these huge deficits because obviously the income's not coming in as it once was. On top of that, we want to give the farmers a huge you know assist. So how do we pay for it all? That's Future I, gains, Chase. Yeah. It's a problem for future taxpayers. That's what they keep saying. And then the kids, you know, will have to suffer on it. The damn kids. The kids. Someone think of the kids. Please think of the kids. We should probably keep going, though, because we've lost another chat rumor and we want them to stick around. <laughs> and there's really only one major topic we have left before the high note, and that's just a little North Korea update. It's been weeks since we've talked about North Korea, so I want to bang this one out real Where is quick. that at? North Korea? Yeah. Uh, it's just above South Korea. Got it. Yeah. Right. Now, the thing is, there has been reports of new missiles being constructed. Uh-oh. 
Now, it is the Washington Post, so adjust your skepticism accordingly. Citing anonymous officials familiar with the intelligence, the Washington Post reporting tonight that North Korea is still working on intercontinental ballistic missiles. The officials, who again spoke on condition of anonymity because they were discussing classified intel, reportedly said satellite photos taken in recent weeks support the contention that work continues on the missiles capable of reaching the United States. The White House tonight tells us it doesn't comment on intelligence. Now, that seems like a big leak, if that's true. That seems like a leak of epic proportions. And so, of course, your good buddy, my friend, John Brennan's all over it. When the president took a fresh victory lap this afternoon for his summit with Kim Jong-un, he might have spoken too soon. The breaking news, new reporting in The Washington Post. Here's the lead, quote, U.S. spy agencies are seeing signs that North Korea is constructing new missiles at a factory that produced the country's first intercontinental ballistic missiles. All right, so agencies, too, by the way, which I think is an interesting little point. Joining me now is John Brennan, the former director of CIA. He's now NBC's senior national security and intelligence analyst. Welcome very much. Good to see you, John. Uh, we're seeing satellite photos. I've talked to sources. Courtney Kuby has as well, confirming all of this information. Wall Street Journal as well. A lot of signs that North Korea is continuing to build. They, con- they discontinued testing months and months ago, as the president has, has said, with great pride. But the fact is, if they're now building, could this mean that they finished testing because they were moving to a new production stage? Now, he has been waiting for this moment. Hey, congratulations on 40 years of outstanding you, professionalism. You've done a great job in educating the American public. All right, I can't stand these two sucking each other's dick anymore. Um, <laughs> he basically just says this whole thing was expected. Now, I point out, how do they really know if this is true or not? First of all, it starts in the Washington Post. Second of all, it's anonymous intel sources. Third of all, can they really tell if they're intercontinental ballistic missiles from satellite? Or does that require another source of... Um, I will say this. Evidence. Google Earth is really good when you can go and zoom in on your backyard and, and actually see, you know, mm-hmm, the tiles true. of your patio. Oh, I imagine they have much better than that. So exactly. That's what yeah. I was gonna say. Now yeah. now obviously we've seen leaked information to the post and other press outlets before. Some of it comes true and we hear about it, some of it kinda falls by the wayside. But yeah. Hmm. It's, it's something to look to watch at. Because I'll tell you what, yeah. if uh, if it doesn't go the right way, you know it's gonna happen. Well, no, 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 no. No. They'll never get. They'll never no. let. They'll never let Trump. Hey, hey! They'll never let it go. They'll never let it go. If I, if it turns out that this whole thing blows up in his face, and there's, I didn't have any good clips for it, but there's also now talk of a no conditions meeting with Iran, which that was one of the first stories that happened recently that I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that. And they had the best argument, like, well, if you're going to meet with North Korea and you're going to meet with Russia, how come you're not? Well, yeah, why not Iran? Yeah. yeah, and and didn't Iran come back and go no? Oh, did they? I, th- I thought they did reply. Oh, okay. Well, it's yeah. an interesting, you know what, it's, it's one of the more fascinating, unpredictable things about Donald Trump is a, an establishment president would never do that. Wouldn't even mention it. Even if it meant going to war. Right. Wouldn't even talk about That's it. That's a weird thing. It's odd. That's the oddest thing, and it's, it really shocked me when I heard that. Yeah. Uh, so now we have some things to talk about that might shock some of you. And it's, it's yeah, I was, oh, I was just going to say, yeah, uh, big note, uh, no sack this week. I, mm. I sent out an email to all the patrons, all of them, a big public post. Some of you guys tried to hang on, had to fall asleep. I get that. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're going to give the, the floor to, to Chris. Oh, okay. Uh, just because of the fact, uh, yeah, we have something pretty substantial to uh, yeah. announce. Yeah, and this is something that Chase and I have been talking about for weeks and weeks. 
and neither one of us really know how to talk about it. But so I wrote down some things. Oh wow, that's that's unlike you. I know, I know. Uh, Wait, but I will not do that to you. I I'm reading this. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of you probably noticed a few weeks ago, or maybe it was even a more than a month now ago, when it seemed like I kind of was. I don't know, how would you describe it? When I was sort of like losing the faith a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, so there was a losing week. Losing steam. So there was a week uh, that I, I, I wasn't here for some reason. Oh, yeah, it was my anniversary, I think it mm, was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd just gotten back from you just gotten back, and you, you, you did, I think you did the, a solo show. Yeah. And there was a lot of feedback just because you, you, you came up. I didn't listen to it, but, you know, I got the impression that, you know, hey, you're upset that you know. The, yeah, it was just you know, it was just one of those moments yeah. where a few things had transpired, and um, I ended up getting an idea in my head that once I flirted with it about a month ago, I just I couldn't really shake it. I think the thing is, especially about this show, is I've always known that if uh, if I were to just sort of take the my foot off the gas even just a little bit with this show and lose a little momentum, that I would be faced with the hard reality that I've been running from, and that is that this show is a full-time job. Totally. It's straight up a full-time job. Absolutely. Um, and the other thing is, is I sort of, I sort of have realized myself losing my edge for the show a little bit. And it's because I know inside I've known for, for years really, but I just have been running from it that I really need to focus either on unfilter full-time or I need to focus on the Linux content full-time. They both demand full-time work um, and I think why I have been splitting my time, I have caused both of them to suffer a bit. I could have done better if I were giving either one of them more of my attention. Um, and the reality is, there's a there's a more of a passion for Linux and free software, like in my core. Like, well, that's that's where you started. Yeah, I, I mean, hell, I mean, I I remember the the young little Chris on YouTube making right. how to install free Linux on what, yeah, your PS3. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I've always had a thing for. It. I mean, politics. I started following because my life started getting screwed over by them. But I I blame myself a little bit on the politics side, just because you know I was listening to No Agenda, and I was traveling back from Wenatchee one of those days, and. Uh, Chris Fisher uh, from Jupiter Broadcasting in Washington. I was like, "Wait, what? Really? Yeah, yeah." So I, you know, I and so you know, we started talking. I'm like, you know, we should do a political show. Now, No Agenda does a great show. However, I feel that we could do something different and bring something unique to the table, especially with video and you know, both of our talents I feel together. Like we have, and I think we definitely have. Yeah, but the issue is, is since I took my foot off the gas about a month ago, it has been. It has been really hard to give the show 100%. Yeah. And the realities of the physical tolls on my body from like late night clipping and 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. workdays, like I've gotten, I've developed RSI issues that in part are related to clipping and cutting those clips and being in one spot for so long. And the show's becoming a grind where I'm having to constantly force myself to stay on task. And the thing is, the reality of unfilters, it demands 100% of a commitment, yeah. if not 110%. And so when I'm doing it now in these last few weeks, I could feel that I just wasn't giving it my, my best anymore. I could feel like it's I, – I knew I could do a little bit better. Like I could have gone a little deeper or this could have been a little tighter. I could tell that I just – it was, was, It's something different than hitting the wall. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a different feeling. I know um, what you mean. But when I when – I, when I was kind of thinking about this, when I started thinking, like, I really have these two worlds, the Linux world, the open source free software world, and the unfiltered news politics world. And I started thinking, well, what if, what if I just lived in the Linux side of the world? 
I, I had this visualization that I have not been able to shake since that moment. And I thought about, think about, say we, we're no longer doing this show and a major political moment happens, like with the Russia investigation or Trump does meet with Iran. And I don't have to share my personal thoughts about it. Like, I don't have to have an opinion about it. I'm just able to witness something and not have to spring into action, not have to begin clipping, not have to be trying to put together my thoughts on it as fast as I can. I can just watch the news happen like everybody else does. And when I visualize that and that, like that, that shift, I realize that it is, it is time for me to spin down the show. And I think you were in the same spot, it felt like, after we started talking about it. Yeah. It, you know, politics is very stressful. Uh, and it's one of those things where, for me, uh, I, I I don't speak with for you or for anybody who's ever been on the show, even going back to our first episode. I've always spoke for me, and I've always tried to tote the line and not be biased in any way. I really have tried to look at the events of the day uh, through the eyes of an outsider and just try to feel of, of what is right is right, what is wrong is wrong. Uh, you know, I've I've uh, hosted a few shows solo. I maybe just two <laughs> out of the whole the gambit, and even even doing those that like increased the stress level even more. And you know, obviously, you know, for me, I my view of politics is going to be different from Veritunas or yours mm. or, or anybody's in the chat room. And when it comes to this show, I first off, I love hanging out with you, sitting in front of a microphone, and we're able to talk about things that. We are very passionate about. Um, however, there's a stress component to that, and that is you got to keep up with everything that's going on. Yeah, you can't unplug. And, and then once you start to like it, really the whole thing starts to. Well, unravel. it does be, because of the fact that you know. Now you you guys may say to me, "Well, Chase, you look you work at a news station. You get to see news all day. You're absolutely right." But I'm not really paying attention to it because I'm fixing things. And you're not well, you're not forced to have an opinion about it. No. Uh, and it makes a difference. Not that yeah. you can't not I just the idea of me having an opinion about something, uh, but it doesn't matter. Like if I if I believe some crazy conspiracy it, or at if, the end of the day, right? Yeah. Like like if I never fully ever commit even if they find Trump totally, totally uh, 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 colluding with Putin directly, like if they find, I, and I still refuse to believe it. I can personally refuse to believe it. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I guess my point is like, I don't have to sit here and articulate my positions. I can just have them, right, for a while. And it feels like after I think what we've been doing the show for six years, five maybe. Yeah, I feels I, like ten, but I really yeah, have. But I have really wanted to. Like I've been really like it's been it's been foot to the foot all the way down to the floor with this show. The, the community has been amazing. The patrons have been empowering. And the audience, when I meet them in person, is so gracious about this show. They're so awesome yeah. that uh, this is a decision that has not been come to lightly. And we've talked about all of it. Could we make it to 300 and all of that? But the reality is I need to start making personal changes in my life. I need to focus a bit more and I need to work on my health and a few other things. I need to make a lot of changes really. And that's just the reality of where I'm at. I'm in my mid thirties now. I've got three kids and I've got a lot to do and there's only so much time in the day and the physical toll it's taken. I've got to acknowledge it because if I don't, then long-term I could have serious problems. I'm recently have two family members who have worked very hard their whole life. They've gotten to a successful part in their business. And now both of them, one's a man, one's a woman, and they both have been just recently diagnosed with 
terminal diseases, and oh. they've both just been given a couple of months to live. And that's after like 60 years of slogging it out to, to get into a financially comfortable position and to get their businesses to a successful spot, which they're people I've looked up to, you know, being a small business owner. Yeah, and yeah. then to watch them both dying now while they're just finally arriving at the fruits of their riches or whatever the saying is, the riches of their whatever, uh, the fruits of their labor. I don't know. Maybe that, that could be weighing on me too, but um, it's part of a bigger thing. Like it's not something we're doing lightly. It's not because of the money. It's not because of any one particular well, thing. That's one thing I want to be clear about. And, you know, uh, as I've told you, we're at the highest support level we've ever had yeah. in the entire history of this show. Yep. Um, and, and I we didn't – and I want to just, step on, just yeah. step on you for a second there because I think it's important to point out that we didn't want to phone it in. Because that's the that's where we could tell it was starting. At least for me, I don't know about you. I don't want to speak for you, but it was starting to trend in that direction, where I was start like, I'm gonna be honest. I forgot to do the high note well, this week. Well, there, there I was... forgot to do the high note this week. How does that happen? No, I, there... I had to go grab clips as you were sitting there stalling on the live stream for me. There was there was a, a situation. I, I might as well say it because we're winding things down. And by the way, not, uh, this is not this the last not the episode. last episode. Right. It will be next week. Yeah. 290 we wanted to end on 290 we wanted to do it just the thing is is we can't keep the show going if we're not giving it our all right so we wanted to do it while we still were strong but there was a there was a and i'll and i'll share this um you can edit it out later if you don't want oh yeah like I edit <laughs> anything. Yeah, just <laughs> uh last week uh you know i was saying hey um you know what's the status of the show are we are we you know are we doing things or whatever um and you're, it was like, yeah, you're like, there's not a lot going on or something along those lines. Well, no, it was more like there's nothing going on that I, I, I can really bring myself to talk about. Right. And, and I was just like, but there's some things we could talk about. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, no, it's like there's just yeah. like, the rushes. Like everything's really grinding me down. And it it was weird because for I would say 280 episodes, yeah. maybe 275 episodes, it's never gotten to me. No. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it just the, the same like the fact that the same shit just gets rehashed and resold and repackaged. And then people buy it, and now it's official. And it doesn't matter how much we push back; it doesn't matter how much we we're just pissing into the wind at the end of the day. And it's I don't know. The, it's the, frustrating. The, the for one us. thing that has has really waned on me in in doing the show over the past five years, and we've gone through. Three presidents now. Think about that. Mm, in this show, you mean? Yeah. Clinton, mm-hmm. Obama, and Trump. Wait, Clinton wasn't in office when we started the show, was he? Uh, was he? I don't I think we came in during no, Obama's maybe second you, term. Okay. But we, I know I always did Clinton a lot. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, was that, you know, seeing how things became more and more polarizing. And for someone like me, uh, which I, th- I think you know the kind of person that I am, Chris, you know, I, I do not like conflict. Uh, I wish people that they could, you know, try to see some common ground in each other and, and try to respect one another. Um, and that's why when I when I've done this show, I've yes, I have shared my personal opinions about things, but I haven't gone all the way in that because I always try to remain as unbiased as I possibly try to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I look at the you know I am not uh, straight red. I'm not straight blue. I, I have many crossover you know personalities. I, you know who I think else has done really good at that is producer Matt. He's done a great yeah. job of trying to get the right clips that, and tell both sides of a story. Get a couple of different takes, and he's been a huge help. Um, and I think this is going to be good for him too because think about the amount of news that he and I have to watch on a daily basis, and it's just it's hard on the psyche. So I think this will be good for producer Matt, and there there may be some future work we have for him too. Yeah. In fact, 
um, we are putting all of the assets and the uh, the IP and all of it on a shelf. It's gonna it's gonna go down into the Jupiter archives. It will still exist. We still will retain all all the assets and all the ownership of the show. We'll have the archive online. The show notes will be available. That stuff will exist, and we'll be back for two ninety. So we'll also do one more episode. And my thought was is other than one one thing we're gonna do a little differently is. Open up the mail sack to everybody. Yeah, so so here's maybe, what maybe anything else major than that. Uh, so what will happen with the sack for next week? Just to let everybody know is that uh, so we're recording this right now, Wednesday, August first. In just a couple of days, I will put out a Patreon post. I'm not going to do it on the last second of the day because obviously, as podcast feeds get filtered out there, people are going to hear this. They're going to want to give us their thoughts, their feelings. So if you have a question, you have a short statement. Any kind of words? Yeah, hopefully you, not too long. Not too long. That's why. That's why I say short. <laughs> short. Uh, if it's like a simple question or uh, a simple statement, uh, please reply to the Patreon post at Patreon.com/slash/unfilter. You know what else? And wanna, it'll be opened up to the public. I, I'm, I'm just jumping all over you today because the other thing I just want to make sure I mention is because she wants the system D is pointing this out. Maybe include in there other political news podcasts that you've really liked. Yeah. Uh, obviously, no agenda is on the list for some of you, but if there's other ones, maybe people have not heard of that could get yeah. some love as we go on. We could we could pass the baton around and and uh, and maybe give people new shows to subscribe to 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 sort of fill that gap a little bit. So please include that too with your feedback. So that's going to be at Patreon.com/slash/unfiltered. It will be there uh, right. in uh, in a few days. Right, and then the intention will be, I suppose, after next week's episode, we. I don't know if we can put the patron in read-only mode. You know how that works exactly? Uh, yeah, I, I've uh, I've done some things with that before. Okay. Yeah. Well, so um, that'll be coming. 290 will be coming. We'll probably try to do, a, um, I, 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 I suppose, a fairly regular episode. So that way you've got one more. Just an extended uh, one, mail sack segment. Yeah, one more. I mean, we'll just keep making the product you've always enjoyed until the very end. And that's one thing I've also said, too, is, you know, if we go out, A, I want to go out on a high note. Ha <laughs> ha. But but not only that, you know, before it's, we run it into the ground, dude. We seriously, it's one of those things where how many podcasts have you guys listened to out there where all of a sudden the podcast either just disappears, yeah, it fades away. They call it pod fading, um, and you don't put a a, a point yeah. in, in ending the show. And I kind of did that a little bit with my Minecraft show where I let it linger. I think a little too long, and you know, you end it, and then you know what. It frees you up to try other projects and do other things. Yeah, that's very true. I'm hoping that will be the ultimate result of this. And um, I want to acknowledge, you know, I, I had heard from so many people, particularly in person, about how this show was important to you, how you've built a routine around the show. And I want to thank you for that. I don't take that lightly. No. that's That matters a lot to us. And I just am really appreciate, I really appreciate that we've had the opportunity to be part of your lives. And... Um, I I hope that you don't you don't flame us to death because it's a hard decision for us. You know, do keep in mind this has not been something that we've come to lightly. We've had a lot of passion and a lot of love for this show, and I think that show has one of the best audiences that I, I can ever. Think well, of. I mean, it's just I, such a good. It, it's it's group. more than a, an audience to me. I, I look at it as a, a, a very awesome community, and uh, you know, obviously when we launched the show, uh, some of you guys, you know, have been there from the beginning known known chris for for many years for his his tech content and you know here i am some guy that no one has ever heard of and you know i've pipes like that chase <laughs> somebody better throw a microphone in front of you <laughs> thanks man <laughs> but you know uh 
I will. I will truly miss uh, just just seeing the chat and, yeah. and seeing Hanging you guys out. and 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 passionate. Yeah, and, you know, for me, this is a this is a live this is a live show that's generally three to four hours long. Yeah, you know, it starts at three something. It's already it's seven p.m. right now. It's a performance for me every week. I show up and I'm live and I perform for three to four hours, um, and that's on top of all of the work for the rest of the show. But I, that's going to be uh, for me. It's going to fundamentally change my life to have about an hour back every day and an entire Wednesday. I mean, that's just going to change. But my it's life. Been, and honestly, it's not just a Wednesday. No, because it's it's you, all the work you, during the week. Well, it's all the work during the week. Yeah, you, you have to keep an eye on all the stories that are going on, all the smaller stories, all, all the inside tracks, all the alternate news feeds. Uh, you know, the the left leaning sites, the right leaning sites. I mean, you have to like cover every single base, and we've always done that just because we wanted to be thorough mm-hmm. and complete in what we t- try to talk about. And so, but personally, you know, at the end of the day, even if you're not a patron. Thank you. Thank you for even considering us and listening to us, being there with us. Um, it's something to me that you know I've been able to make relationships uh, with people through this show uh, that I will take with me, and mm-hmm. I and I really mm-hmm. do appreciate it immensely. Yeah, me too. Same. I, I that is an interesting thing to be able to say, uh, but it is one hundred percent true. I also again want to encourage you to uh, suggest the podcast that you would like to recommend to folks because I'd like to su- subscribe too because now I get to. Listen and witness the news with you, uh, and that is something that is blowing my mind still. So I'd love to, I'd love to hear those. And if you'd like to join us for our final episode next week, jblive.tv. We'll do it on, on a Wednesday. You can get it converted to your local time at jupiterbroadcasting.com/calendar. The pre-show usually starts somewhere around three three thirty. Then the YouTube stream usually fires up closer to four. Um, so yeah, join us for the last live unfilter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right, buddy. You ready? Yeah. Mommy needs a joint. Mommy. She sure does. She sure does. And uh, there is some investing going on. We've been t- almost every week covering this now. Our next guest is investing in the cannabis industry, which is becoming mainstream. Greg Smith is with us. He's the founder of Evolution Corporate Advisors. Greg, welcome to the program. Good morning, Stuart. Thank you for having me. You actually are bringing credibility and legitimacy to the marijuana industry. That's what you're doing. I am trying. I am trying to find interesting, disruptive companies that I think are going to legitimize the industry and really um, be mainstream in the years to come. So this guy's going around in VC and different cannabis companies, getting them off the ground, getting some money in their pockets. It's, it's really interesting to see different people that are jumping in with big pockets, which is an indication that research has been done and things are going in the right direction. There is a funny story that I, because I, it's not funny as in what happened, but it's funny in that you can't stop pot. Then the past hour, we've learned Polkton police arrested a correctional officer at Brown Creek. Travis Hubbard is accused of trying to give marijuana to an inmate. They say he was not able to pass through the electronic security devices at the correctional institution, and that's where officers were called in. <laughs> police say Hubbard tried to leave but was stopped. Officers searched his vehicle and say they found marijuana packaged for an inmate. How would does Sam, that mean like up the butt? Like it's like if like <laughs> like in a tube shape? Like what does that mean exactly? I find it fascinating how drugs are rampant and available in prisons. Especially what's crazy is a lot of the drugs that are available are drugs that get people in prisons to begin with. It's it's really 
It's really amazing how an institution that is designed to incarcerate people and punish them and lock them out from the outside world is still incapable of preventing drugs from coming in. Now, they got it in that case, but not all of them. Now, this last high note story I like covering simply because it's demonstrative of the snowball effect. This is where the pot policy always starts. Manhattan DA's new policy not to prosecute low-level marijuana cases goes into effect today. That means people will not be arrested for smoking marijuana in public or possessing small amounts. But arrests will be made in cases where the drug is being sold or if it poses a threat to public safety. The Brooklyn DA's office stopped prosecuting low-level marijuana cases back in 2014. So just like it happened here in Seattle and in Denver, they deprioritize that first. Then comes the recreational laws. That has been one of the fascinating stories to watch over the history of this show. And if you remember, we covered it from the very beginning. Yep, episode number one. Oh. Episode one. Oh, man, that's crazy. Crazy to watch that. And now it's big business with VC funds coming in to back the disrupting cannabis industries. <laughs> it's come full circle. And, you know, it feels four or five years ago when we talked about this, we would not have even predicted this. And no. here we are. Mr. Chase, tell people where they can get more Chase in their face throughout the week. I would appreciate if you do the Twitter thing, at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. If you don't do the Twitter thing and you like to do the Discord thing, ggtvdiscord.com. Use that URL. All right. You can come chat with me. I love to engage on gaming and tech topics. And by the way, some pinball broadcasting, 1080p, high def is coming into your future. 60 frames? 60, yes. Oh, all right. What about you, Chris? Where can people uh, keep up with you? Why not at Chris LAS? That's a good way to get a hold of me, too. And you can also follow the whole network at Jupiter Signal. Links for additional news stories at unfilter.show slash 289. That's where you can also download the MP3. And you, well, you can... I guess you could subscribe. <laughs> I was sort of on autopilot. Uh, yeah. I mean, why not? Then you could download the back catalog and enjoy it. Yeah. So still subscribe. It still has a value. Yes, true. Now, the show's not over yet. The overtime is coming up. Don't believe it. It's fake news. The show's not over yet. If you want to stick around. No collusion. Your dessert is coming up. Your meat and potatoes is officially over. All right? Very good? Yeah, that's right, man. All right. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Unfiltered Program. And keep one thing in mind. The show may be coming to an end, but it's not over just yet. No, no. no. We'll be back for one more time next week. the fake news the show's not over yet it's time for overtime Mm, thank you to our new patrons, staying woke over patreon.com slash unfilter. Ironically, letting me use that phrase for them, even though they know it's used ironically. I also appreciate that. Thank you to Keith, Brian, Mutation666, hmm, Brandon, and C. Sapieth. 
You are our five new subs for our Patreon. Over at patreon.com slash unfiltered. That's true. Thank you for supporting this here show. And this here overtime be dedicated to you. Because we appreciate you. And we appreciate all you patrons. Always have. Always will. At patreon.com slash unfiltered. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you do and making this show possible. Wow, nearly 290 episodes. So let's start things off with a bit of complaining by CNN, which seems to be their new favorite hobby. Whenever they're not talking directly about Donald Trump or Russia, they're bitching about Donald Trump and how he treats the media. Certainly the Republican leadership in the House and the Senate, they don't want a government shutdown specifically before the midterm elections in November. They don't want it afterwards. I quickly want to go to Jeff Zeleny, our White House correspondent. You're there in the East Room. Give us your, uh, your take on what we just heard. Well, clearly the Iran meeting without preconditions, as you've all been discussing, is a a major headline as well as the government shutdown. But I do think another headline is indeed what was not asked here at this news conference. Uh, Clearly on the president's mind through his own words, his own tweets over the weekend, he is indeed consumed, uh, at least in part, by the special counsel's investigation. And those questions were not asked. We tried asking the questions at the end of the news conference if he does feel betrayed by Michael Cohen, of course, his longtime uh, lawyer, confidant and protector. Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, do you feel betrayed by Michael Cohen? Do you feel betrayed by Michael Cohen? I wonder why he wouldn't call on you. I don't actually think that happened, but he knows that's how you behave, young man. Uh, He turned briefly, uh, the president, but did not answer the questions. And Wolf... Uh, we should say that uh, you know the limitation of questions, two on each side, um, is a way, of course, to uh, um, uh, protect the White House from... Oh, and their feed gets cut there for a moment. ...of uh, questions we call News of Day, the biggest headline maybe out there. And, of course, there are hmm, so strange. many questions to ask the president. But it is true, uh, Wolf, I can tell you that White House aides were asking some reporters here today uh, what they plan to ask the president. Now, this is not uh, necessarily untypical. You probably remember this as well from when you uh, covered the White House for so many years. Administrations do ask reporters uh, what they plan to ask. So let's just uh, pause there for a second. Are you grokking what he's laying down for you? Do you understand that? That the president knows, like Obama and Trump, has a fair idea of what the journalist is going to ask him before he even calls on he or she. Isn't that remarkable? It's all scripted, folks. It's not tightly scripted, but it's all roughly scripted. And that, I think, is a big takeaway from this clip. This is not uh, necessarily untypical. You probably remember this as well from when you uh, covered the White House for so many years. Administrations do ask reporters uh, what they plan to ask. Most reporters I know do not answer that question besides of news of day. You know who is answering those questions? The ones that want to get called on. I always say, uh, you know, whatever the president uh, has spoken about... um, maybe tweeting about those are fair game for questions. We did not uh, tell the White House what we plan to ask uh, today. And of course, we were not uh, uh, called on here. So, Wolf, it is clear. I think one of the headlines here at this press conference is the fact that uh, some of the biggest uh, controversies and clouds hanging over this administration were not asked today by the two uh, U.S. journalists who were called on by the White House, Wolf. (laughs) That is some serious butthurt. 
That is right there at the end. He gets sort of like kind of like a, a droopy dog about it. We're not asked today by the two uh, U.S. journalists who were called on by the White House Wolf. Yeah. He like hangs his head in shame. <laughs> you know, maybe if you asked better questions, if you asked any new questions at all, I'm not trying to defend shutting down on the press because that's not good either. But it's it's just inevitable. I've been talking about this literally for the entire year. Really, it's actually been talking about this since the moment Trump was elected and Spicy Sean went out there and uh, threw his ding-dong down on the table, thump style, and just laid into him on the crowd size, clearly trying to say, I'm the big dog, we're going to set the agenda, it's a new sheriff in town. Like, that was the obvious message. And it's been building since then. It's been obvious. It's it's patently obvious that if you are a douchebag dickhead who asks the same damn questions all the time in an antagonizing fashion in an attempt to trick the president into saying something embarrassing or Sarah Sanders, they're going to stop calling on you. You have to ask something new, something relevant, perhaps something that's related to the subject at hand of the press conference. They're probably out there trying to message something very specifically. And here's the fundamental issue. And they know this. They know this because this is their business. They know this is how it works. And here's the fundamental issue that I'll, I'll explain, because if you're not in media, it's not, it's not necessarily obvious if you're outside of media. And you don't have to be that far into it to really see it. I'll, I'll explain it. It'll make total sense. They know this. The the fundamental issue that the White House is trying to manage is the message of the day. They want whatever the message of the day is to be the president's agenda for that time. So if the message is he's meeting with a diplomat, if the message is he's going to meet with Iran with no conditions, they don't want the message to be about Michael Cohen's damn tapes. They don't want the message to be about Stormy Daniels or the Putin soccer ball having a microphone inside of it. That's not what they want the message of the day to be about. And if you ask him those questions, even if he doesn't answer, of course he will answer, but even if he doesn't answer, you now have a soundbite of you asking the question and the president not responding, or more likely, responding in a way that's outrageous. And now that's the major narrative for the next 48 hours. And the only way to mitigate and manage that problem is to force the people there in the press pool to stay on topic and focus on the message of the day, which in this case was meeting with Iran with no preconditions. They know that's how it works. He even kind of says it in that clip. If you were to rewatch it, if you were to rewind back, he says it. He acknowledges it. But they don't care. And it's not like the White House is innocent when it comes to working with the press. They are, they are obviously playing hardball. And your good buddy, Rachel Madcow, has definitely noticed. We can report tonight that the White House video of this exchange has also skillfully cut out that question from the Reuters reporter as if it didn't happen. So I'll show you them back to back here. I'll show you the real one first, and then I'll show you what the White House has posted online instead. Here, here first is the real one. Options abound, and uh, they all can be found in an President appropriate Putin, did you want President framework. Trump to win the election, and did you direct any of your officials to help him do that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. That's the real one. Now watch what the White House has posted online instead. Options abound. 
and uh, they all can be found in an appropriate legal framework. President. And did you direct any of your officials to help him do that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. They just dropped it out. What? I, didn't, I actually didn't catch it. First part of his question. President Putin, did you want President Trump to win the election? They just dropped that out. But they left in the part where he asked if he directed any officials to help him do that, which is way the fuck more damning. What the White House has disappeared from the official U.S. government record of that meeting, both in print and in their video of the meeting, is President Putin answering in the affirmative when he's asked if he wanted Trump to win the election. Yeah. And then when he asked, did you direct an official to help him do that? He says, even in that edit, he says, yes, yes, I did. Which the fucking implication of that would be he wants Putin or Putin wants Trump to win. That's the obvious implication. If he didn't want the man to win, why would he then say, yes, I directed someone to do it? Either way that edit works, it still says he supported Trump. There's literally no hiding of information here. The end result is exactly the same. Just for kicks, if you want to check out the Russian government version of this, their transcript, their supposed transcript of this event. In the, in the Russian transcript, Jeff Mason from Reuters not only doesn't ask his full question, Jeff Mason of Reuters doesn't even exist. What's incredible, and Veritunda is pointed out in the chat room, is we played the full thing last week, and in there it's clear that Putin is responding to, yes, I wanted him to win. He's not even really answering that. did you direct an official? He's just responding, likely because of translation, right? He gets the first part of the question and he starts answering it before the guys even finish the second part of the question. So it's just, a, it's just not a great, very clean answer to begin with. And the edit, regardless of what it is, to try to clean that up, doesn't change the message in any substantial way that I can see. And it's clearly that what happens is Putin starts answering, maybe because it's an awkward question, before the guy even finishes, almost as a way to like shut him up and get and just start answering, like just to run him over. That seems to be what happened. Uh, but you know what? I don't know. I'm not a uh, multi-million dollar um, yearly staffed um, news actor that uh, reads Twitter all day. Just a quick note on uh, half the press corps. Last month, there were only three briefings with you totally under an hour. Um, if, if at some point in the next month or two, actually, there's travel concerns. But if you can, we'd appreciate if you were able to get some more time. There are a lot of issues to cover. So he's bitching that they haven't had as many press briefings as they would like, and he's asking for more. I know the mics are bad. Uh, one of those, uh, first off, is the president's tweet this morning uh, about uh, the Russian probe's direction to the trade general Jeff Sessions, asking him to uh, end the Mueller probe right now. Um, the president said a few weeks ago that he did, or a few months ago, sorry, that he was not going to intervene in the Department of Justice's handling of that investigation. Does that tweet this morning mark a change in posture by the president? Uh, it's not an order. It's the president's opinion. And it's ridiculous oh. that all of the corruption and dishonesty that's gone on with the launching of uh, the witch hunt, the president oh, wants to, oh. has watched this process play out, but he also wants to see it come to an end, as he stated many times. Uh, and we look forward to that happening. Uh, on a different topic, Sarah, you mentioned that uh, the transfer of, the, of these remains from uh, North Korea, uh, the North Korean leader, fulfilling his commitment uh, to the president as a treaty in Singapore. There's a report yesterday that North Korea is uh, still uh, assembling uh, ICBMs, and as well as Pentagon says that uh, it's, it's not yet possible to verify that the remains that have been transferred back are, in fact, human or American. How does that uh, meet sort of the test of North Korea fulfilling its uh, commitment to the Bennett Creek in Singapore? Uh, I'm not going to comment on the first part of your question on any potential intelligence matter. Uh, in terms of the remains, we have uh, 
the best of the best that have been working uh, over the last several weeks on this process. We'll keep you updated on it, uh, but we feel comfortable in the assessment that they've made up until this point. John. Sarah, on the uh, next proposed tranche of tariffs against uh, China. All right, let's stop here. I see a request in the chat room to play the uh, clip uh, of uh, Putin answering the full clip uh, that's not edited by Rachel Macow. I will do that. And, you know, I noticed it actually I was wrong. It wasn't last week. It was two weeks ago. It was two frickin' 87 that we covered that. So uh, I do have that clip here, and I'll play it in its entirety. Found in an appropriate did you want legal President framework. Trump to win the election, and did you direct any of your officials to help him do that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because he talked about bringing the U.S.-Russia relationship back to normal. That is the full statement, uh, which is clearly an answer to "Did you want Donald Trump to win?" And there it is without edit. So, uh, is that solve the big controversy? No. I guess that's something the media can't do. Maybe they should look into Dropbox. They could store that in Dropbox. No? I like that, though, that uh, it's, it's not an order to Sessions. It's his opinion. Speaking of the uh, uh, Mueller probe and the dossier and the folks that wrote that dossier, Fusion Joe Breaking tonight, evidence that both campaigns in 2016 oh. wanted some dirt on each other and were willing to get it in some sources from Russia. But now there's a judge who wants to know exactly how the whole thing worked on the Clinton side of the equation. The dossier, as we know, was funded in part by the Clinton campaign and used sources in Russia who gave information to Christopher Steele, much of which he said was unverifiable. So on the Trump side, you've got the Trump Tower meeting in June of 2016. And tonight, former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen reportedly dropping more bombs. Now he says that the president knew all along about that meeting, even though Cohen said the opposite in the past. So here's what the president said about it today. I did not in caps, no, of the meeting with my son, Don Jr. Sounds to me like someone is trying to make up stories. He even retained Bill and Crooked Hillary's lawyer. Gee, I wonder if they helped him make the choice. Here now, Greg Jarrett, Fox News anchor. So there you go. There's that. We don't need uh, Jarrett's uh, analysis. But that is the essence of what's going on with Fusion GPS. And really the dossier, remember, it's it was a product that they were selling. The firm that put together the infamous Trump-Russia dossier has been summoned to a court hearing. A judge in the U.S. ordered Fusion GPS to give sworn testimony in a lawsuit brought by a Russian tech guru, that of Alexei Kubarev. He has uh, filed a defamation suit against the dossier's author, along with the media company BuzzFeed that released it. Uh, Kubarev claims he's been falsely accused in the dossier of being a Russian intelligence officer. Well, the whole uh, Trump-Russia dossier, also known as the Steele dossier, is a private intelligence report by former MI6 officer Christopher Steele. It contains allegations of collusion between Donald Trump's presidential campaign and the Russian government. The dossier was published in full by BuzzFeed last January. Samira Khan has more. Well, Fusion GPS will now have to answer questions regarding its role in compiling the Steele dossier, the very dossier that made headlines uh, worldwide for its uh, unverified, uh, salacious allegations about uh, Donald Trump before his inauguration. Now, lawyers will be able to ask Fusion GPS representatives about its clients, how they verified their claims, and why they hired Christopher Steele. And they'll also have the opportunity to find out the nature of the firm's interactions with uh, government officials and uh, media outlets. Now, the Russian entrepreneur's lawyer who filed these claims against BuzzFeed and Steele called it a victory. This ruling gave us everything that we'd had hoped for. 
After a year of trying everything they could think of to avoid being deposed, Fusion is finally going to have to sit down and answer our questions. Fusion GPS hasn't revealed any information regarding the dossier, claiming that it would violate confidentiality clauses and uh, free speech rights. But for some background, the firm was hired in April 2016 by the Clinton campaign and the DNC to investigate Trump's uh, alleged links to Russia for a fee of about $1.8 million. Then Fusion hired a former MI6 operative, Christopher Steele, and then BuzzFeed published the dossier, even though it wasn't uh, verified. Now, Fusion GPS will have until August 31st to sit in for the deposition, but it's possible that the revelations that'll come out of that hearing will be uh, more scandalous than the dossier itself. I had always read that it was actually initiated by perhaps the Bush campaign or some uh, or the Trump or somebody that was anti-Trump on the Republican side, and then when they decided to fold in uh, the Clinton group and the DNC via like this lawyer office bought it up. And continued the contract. So they didn't say that in the original source, but that was always my understanding. I wanted to go a little deeper on Manafort's money. You know, that $60 million is a lot of money. The uh, special counsel Robert Mueller's team says uh, that indicted former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort made $60 million from his political consulting work in Ukraine. Let's go to our justice correspondent, Evan Perez. Uh, Evan, explain why this revelation about how much money uh, Manafort made is important. Well, well, this is a revelation that came uh, just in the last couple of hours. And we're talking hours away from uh, when the jury selection is set to begin in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, the, the prosecutors uh, for Robert Mueller and the defense are fighting over whether or not the jury will get to see 50 or so exhibits. Uh, these are exhibits that the, uh, the Manafort team says are prejudicial, that they're irrelevant to the charges. Remember that Manafort is going on trial on bank and tax fraud charges. And so the Manafort team wants these uh, exhibits and this evidence not shown to the jury. The government responded this afternoon saying that this is evidence that shows that Manafort made $60 million working for the Ukrainian government, that this is exhibits, these are emails, these are memos, these are photos that they show, quote, uh, show full, the full sweep of Manafort's Ukrainian work. Essentially, they say that this is evidence that's going to be uh, corroborating evidence for some of the witnesses that are going to describe what Manafort was doing and why he was using these bank accounts in Cyprus and in other foreign locations to hide money uh, that he did not report to the IRS. So this is very, very key evidence, the government says, to this trial, Wolf. And as you point out, uh, his trial gets underway uh, with jury selection tomorrow uh, in suburban Virginia, right outside Washington, D.C. What can we expect? Well, I'll tell you what not to expect. We're, we're not expecting the word Russia. We're not expecting the word collusion. We're not uh, probably hardly even uh, hearing the name of President Trump in this trial. The government and the defense have both agreed that they're going to keep this focused on the bank fraud, the tax charges. And look, uh, this is a tall uh, order for Manafort. He, this is an uphill climb for them because uh, he either filed paperwork saying that he owned these bank accounts or he did not. And what we know is he did not. So what we expect is that the Manafort's team is going to say, look, these accounts didn't belong to him. And so this is why the government's evidence, which is going to show all the work that he was doing and why he was getting paid in these foreign locations, is very important. So uh, we expect three weeks uh, of trial, Wolf. And again, a lot of this is going to be 
squarely focused on the tax and bank fraud charges. Remember, Manafort also faces charges here in Washington, D.C. That one has a lot more to do with uh, the allegations that he was working for the Ukrainian government and failed uh, to register as a foreign agent, even as he was working for the Trump campaign. And let's not forget the, the president, uh, as the candidate, picked Manafort to be his campaign chairman, uh, Evan right, Perez. Exactly. Thank you very much, uh, Phil Mudd. What does all this tell you about how Robert Mueller and his team are working? This, this is like it for a former pro wrestling fan, the steel cage match. Nobody's going to walk out of this, the government or Manafort, without some blood on him. What's happening? <laughs> All right. You know how I feel about that analysis. I'm, I'm good. I'll do the analysis around here. Unless it's Cucker Tuckerson. He's going to go after the so- Southern Poverty Law Center for apparently having secret ties to the FBI. Well, as you already know, if you've been paying any attention at all, the Southern Poverty Law Center is an entirely fraudulent enterprise. The organization has nothing to do with the South or with poverty. It's a left-wing political group that uses hate crime designations to target its ideological enemies and to crush people. In 2012, the SPLC inspired a shooting attack on the Family Research Council by labeling, labeling the innocuous Christian organization a hate group. Just last month, the SPLC paid $3.3 million for falsely calling the Quilliam Foundation, quote, anti-Muslim extremists. We could go on. The Southern Poverty Law Center lies. They are utterly reckless and they're totally dishonest. With that in mind, it was shocking to discover, as jaded as we are, and this show has discovered it exclusively, that the FBI has a long history of collaborating with the Southern Poverty Law Center. In 2009, for example, the FBI called the SPLC, quote, a well-known, established, and credible organization that monitors domestic terrorism in the U.S. The SPLC repeatedly has been allowed to brief FBI personnel on alleged terror threats to this country. Disturbingly, though, this relationship is ongoing, if you can believe it. Despite multiple requests from this program, the FBI has refused to describe the extent of its collaboration with the SPLC, we've asked repeatedly, or even to explain why it continues to work with a group like that. Instead, we've received meaningless and mindless boilerplate statements like this one, quote, For many years, the FBI has engaged with various organizations, both formally and informally. Such outreach is critical, a critical component of the FBI's mission, and we welcome information from these organizations on any possible violation of civil rights, hate crimes, or other potential crimes or threats. We do, however, evaluate our relationships with these groups as necessary to ensure the appropriateness of any interaction. Of course. Mindless pap that does not answer the question. We can report tonight that Congressman Matt Gates of Florida has sent a letter to FBI leadership asking them to explain their relationship with the SPLC, which is obviously very troubling, to put it mildly. Then tonight, the DOJ gave us another statement. This one said, quote, the attorney general has directed the FBI to reevaluate their relationships with groups like this, the SPLC, to ensure the FBI does not partner with any group that discriminates, end quote, as the SPLC certainly does. Majid Nawaz is the founder of Quilliam. He just received that settlement we mentioned from the SPLC after they libeled him as an extremist. He's also the author of a tremendous book called Radical, My Journey Out of Islamist Extremism. Oh, and we'll stop there. You know how I do, and you know it's in the supporters' sink most of the time. So if you do want it, you can finish it up there. But I have recently taken to flying a bit more. Um, because it's just something I've started working into the deal. Like, hey, you want me to come out there and help you? That's great. 
pay for my flight or pay for my gas because either way, it's just too expensive for me to sustain it. But it's something that I've been enjoying more and more because I get to meet with audience members and whatnot everywhere I go. And so I've decided to sign up for the TSA pre-check. Put my fingerprints in there and all that kind of stuff. Although, to be honest with you, the government already had my fingerprints because uh, twice now I've had to go to I have had to go through security clearance to work at a school district. So uh, they already had it. So I figured, all right, let's do this. And so I go in there and I give them, uh, you know, uh, my answers and my fingerprints. And uh, now I'm in waiting to become TSA PreCheck. And uh, I'm just starting to get comfortable with the idea of flying more if I can reduce all of the dehumanizing steps as much as possible. So if I can go somewhere and park my vehicle when I go down there, that's nice and they have a good shuttle program. If I can go through TSA pre-check and not have to take my, my shoes off and my belt off and take my laptop out and my switch out and have them confiscate my vape pen and all those things, go through TSA pre-check in 10 minutes, that kind of stuff. And then maybe even look getting like a lounge membership somewhere. You know, those kinds of options make life a little bit easier when traveling and they reduce the friction for me because it's not the actual flying part that I mind. I really have no problem with that or with the plane crashing. As long as my family's not on there, it's just me. Have at it. Sorry, everybody. Have at it. It's not that part that concerns me. It's the dehumanizing nature and the blatant security theater of the TSA. And the fact that I'm supposed to respect these people and appreciate them and and they're supposed to be checking my crotch and scanning my whole body and it's all for show. Meanwhile, everybody I know smuggling pot through there. They've got crap in their bag. They, every, you know, it's like unbelievable the stuff that makes it through the TSA. But my microphone gets caught. It's, it's so frustrating. So if I could reduce that aspect of it, I don't mind flying so much. That was until I heard this story. The program is called Quiet Skies. Federal air marshals following two to three dozen Americans every day through airports and onto planes, even sitting right next to them. The marshals told to report back if the traveler changes clothes in a restroom, perspires excessively, fidgets, trembles, or stares, uses a phone or computer. Okay, so I do change my clothes in the restroom on occasion. That is something I've done uh, because I was flying from Texas where it was 113 degrees and I was coming back to Seattle where it was 58, 60 degrees and I had a different outfit and I needed to change, too, because, quite frankly, I stunk. I stunk. So I needed to change anyway. So I went in the bathroom, and I changed. And then you know what I came out? I came out and fidgeted in my chair a little bit and then used my phone. And then later, a computer. Perspires excessively, fidgets, trembles, or stares, uses a phone or computer. Passengers are selected for monitoring if their foreign travel and other factors raise concerns, including criminal records, curious financial transactions, email or phone numbers linked to terror suspects. Among the passengers followed a businesswoman who was in Turkey, even a flight attendant. You have over 2 million people a day that currently travel in and around the United States. You're looking for a threat that's so small, it's less than a needle in the haystack. The TSA tells NBC News the primary purpose of this program is to ensure passengers and flight crew are protected during air travel. We recently talked to TSA Chief David Pekoski about the air marshals. For passengers, I think they should feel very safe and secure 
that we have a federal air marshal service that does provide that in-flight security. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But travelers are never told they've been followed, their activities documented. No, no, why would you tell them? That ruins the surprise. That ruins it. Raising privacy concerns. It should go without saying that government agents shouldn't be monitoring travelers without a good reason for doing so. Oh. And the Air Marshals Union complains the program is a waste of time. The American public would be better served if these marshals were instead assigned to airport screening and check-in areas so that active shooter events can be swiftly ended. So there you go. The new TSA Quiet Skies program. Quietly spying on you with no permission and no notification. Quiet Skies. Maybe they're just freaking out because they're pretty, they're pretty sure all of you guys are going to be walking around with 3D printed guns. Tomorrow morning... The sun will be shining, the birds will be singing, and anyone will be able to legally download instructions to 3D print their own fully functional plastic gun. Freak out! Including the AR-15, a weapon of war. What could possibly go wrong? This invitation to chaos brought to you by the Trump administration. You heard that right. In a nation with 5% of the world's population... But personally brought to you by the Donald Trump personally is teaching little children how to print out ARs and handguns. You heard that right. In a nation with 5% of the world's population, but more than a third of its mass shootings, the Trump administration is allowing anyone to print a gun I do without the hassle of background win. checks, registration, or any of the usual trappings of law enforcement. I got a problem for I got a, I got a news alert for you, buddy. Big news alert. CNN style, actually. This is CNN Breaking News. Um, that's coming for everything. All of the things are going to be 3D printed. Guns are just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. How did this happen? <laughs> God, they're so dumb. Glad you asked. Oh, and they are so cheesy, too. In 2013, self-described crypto-anarchist Cody Wilson... Crypto-anarchist? ...came up with a 3D printed gun he calls the Liberator. Yeah, and all because of this one guy now. We're going to have 3D printed guns, guys. He posted the plans online and estimates that more than 100,000 people downloaded it before the Obama State Department made him take it down. Oh, fuck. Obama came in and he saved the day. Obama saved the day, you guys. If it wasn't for Obama, then there would be uh, these 3D printed guns all over the street. He's a jackass. Under regulations called ITAR. Wilson then sued the government, alleging the move violated his free speech. It wasn't about the gun, he said. It was about his right to disseminate the plans. Now, the lawsuit against the Obama administration languished for five years. Cody never even thought he would win. But suddenly, this past June, the Trump administration settled the case. It even paid Wilson 40 grand in legal fees for his trouble. That's from you, the taxpayer. And thanks to that, guns like these you can print at home are going back up online August 1st. Just so you know, have at it, everybody. Now you know. Now, supporters argue this doesn't mean much. People Because people who weren't already enthusiasts, they wouldn't have known? Of course they would have known. Of course they would already know. So people who follow this market already knew. This piece does nothing but essentially native advertise the fact that you can go print a gun now. That's what they're doing. They think they're warning you. They're advertising to you. Because the people who would be interested really... They would already know, so they're not informing them. They're either just trying to outrage you or maybe for some reason sell you. We're always allowed to assemble their own guns for personal use, and the cost of a 3D printer is prohibitive anyway. But make no mistake. Make no mistake. The gun lobby is ecstatic. That's right. The NRA calls 3D printed guns symbolic of, quote, freedom and innovation. Oh! And it worked overtime to kill an effort to add 3D printed guns to the Undetectable Firearms Act. 
And don't forget that earlier this year, don't after forget. the Parkland school shooting, support for stricter gun laws hit a record 70% in a CNN poll. My millennials, stay woke! Even gun rights groups have said that the focus should be on restricting people with mental illness or certain types of criminal records from getting a gun. This policy shift could erase all those efforts at finding common ground by providing the ultimate DIY loophole and insulting common sense in the process. Oh, nailed it right there at the end. Just insulting common sense. You know, but not all news presenters have that energy. You know, they don't all have a good day. And I don't know if you classify Alex Jones as a news presenter, but he's having a bad day. I know exactly what Alex Jones is going through right now. I've been there. I've had my videos blocked on YouTube. I've had my podcast pulled from Spotify. I understand the pain that Alex Jones is going through. I just don't quite freak out the way Alex Jones does. I don't even know what to say at this point. Because I've, I've run my course, not with the censorship and the attacks, but I just... belong to some other age, I guess. Because there isn't any immediacy. There isn't any concern. There's just kind of jellyfish brain. I want to be clear now. He's discussing the fact that InfoWars and Alex Jones are being censored on YouTube and Spotify. Just to make sure you understand the context. Where initiatives mean nothing. Like, we have totally legal censorship going on. We have them bragging about it. We have them dead to rights. No one will attack and then I'm being totally shut down because we're writing reports and getting it to Congress and they're, they're beginning to act. I'm not that damn smart. You know how easy this is? Jesus. But no one wants to do it. No one has the instinct or the will to execute anything real. They only execute failure. Over and over and over again. Begetting the failure, begetting it as the public begins to look like servile hippopotamuses. We may need some faith healers. <laughs> he's having a hard time with it. You know, he's he's just having a hard time with it. You know, he's, he hates being censored. And you shit on it. And you think you're strong because you did something bad. And then you sit there when we're two inches away from collapsing like Venezuela. There'll be death in the streets, millions starved to death. You'll never be on the news. And you'll be so stupid, you'll never even know how you shit on everything good. How you crapped all over your birthright. When it was handed to you. Again, this is his response to being censored on Spotify and YouTube. At Alex Jones really takes it to 11 in a way that nobody else does. But even the professional weathermen have bad days from time to time. Oh, yeah, it'll be fine. All right. Could be worse. Yeah. Like Has been worse. Well, because you guys are dragging me down. You guys keep... Well, every time I get done with the seven day, you guys are like, oh, gosh. Oh. Every time. Doesn't matter what time I come on. 4.30... 5.30, 6.30, and then you expect me to be chipper for five straight hours. It's miserable. Well, what are you supposed I want you guys to say, wow, that's great news. It's going to be 60 on Friday. Well, I mean, what do you want me to do? Lie to you? I'll put 70 every day next time. <laughs> God.
Thank you for your commitment. Thank you. Mr. Davis appreciates it. He knows when to bundle up. Yep. Here's some wind. Here's some temperature. 20s. Feels like 19 or feels like 70. I don't know. 47. Partly cloudy. Southwest breeze 10 to 15. Here's a 60. I don't know if that's good enough for you guys. Get excited. Maybe I'll disappoint you with the seven-day here in a few minutes. (laughs) You know what? Sometimes... You just get a little burned out, I guess. But we appreciate you guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I hope to see you right back here next week. Join us live over at jblive.tv. We do this show on Wednesdays, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendars, where you can convert it to your local time. Thanks for being here. Hope to see you right back here next week. Here's a 60. I don't know if that's good enough for you guys. Get excited. Maybe I'll disappoint you with the seven-day here in a few minutes. Mommy needs a joint.